Justin Budin was a 27-year-old man from Minnesota who pleaded guilty to fifth-degree assault charges for violently losing his temper. Uh, here's the irony of the situation. He was on his way to anger management class when he committed the crime. He was waiting at a bus stop when he started to harass a 59-year-old woman. He yelled at her because he thought she was disrespecting him. When she took out her cell phone to call the police, Budin punched her in the face. A 63-year-old man uh, intervened to try to help, and Budin hit him with the blue folder containing his anger management homework. The police tracked him down by using the papers inside the folder. Uh, the moral of the story is this, if your anger management uh, homework doesn't help you, it may just help the police. Now today we're going to learn how to manage our anger from one of the angriest men in the Bible whose name was Jonah. That's exactly right. Do you know, as we come to Jonah chapter 4, one of my old professors, Tom Constable, said uh, this is the most important lesson of the book. And when we get to the end of the chapter, I think we'll see why. Now, I don't need to ask all of us today if we have an anger problem, because at some point we all do. Uh, when I was a young man, all the way actually into my early 30s, I did not think I had an anger problem at all. But what I've discovered is that the older I get, the more I struggle with anger. Anybody here like that? And to be honest with you, one of my concerns is becoming an angry old man. What a pitiful thing that is. Now today, as we come to this very important chapter, we want to see two things. Number one, we want to see the causes of sinful anger. Not, not all anger is wrong, but sinful anger clearly is. And then we want to see God's correction of sinful anger. Now what this tells me is sinful anger is always a God issue. It's always a God issue. If I think I can correct my anger without God, I am sadly mistaken. Only He can help us with our anger problem. So let's take our Bibles again and turn to uh, the book of Jonah, which is between Obadiah and Micah in the Minor Prophets. It's around page 920 in the Chair Bible. I encourage you to turn there and look at the Word of God for yourself. And let's take a moment and let's pray together. Father, we have just sung that all our hope is in You. And Lord, not only hope for salvation and hope for forgiveness, but as we sang in that opening song, hope for a new heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And as we come, Lord, to Jonah chapter 4, it becomes very, very obvious that the problem with Jonah was a heart problem. And that's always the issue. And God, you alone are sufficient for that problem. So teach us now from your word that we might understand ourselves better and live in greater harmony with your will and purposes. 
And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we begin this morning and we start to look at the causes of evil, I want you to notice in verse 1, right off the bat, we are told that the root source of anger, sinful anger, is self-centeredness. Notice how verse 1 begins. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was what? He was angry. Now, this response of Jonah to the deliverance of the people of Nineveh that we see in chapter 3 is just dripping with self-centeredness. In fact, there is a play on words between the last verse of chapter 3, verse 10, and the first verse of chapter 1 in verse 4. Literally, chapter 1 reads this way, it was evil to Jonah, a great evil, and he became angry. But if you look back at verse 10 of chapter 3, what did the Ninevites do? The Bible says they turned from their evil way. Now, follow this contrast, this play on words. Nineveh turned from evil, but Jonah turned to evil. The Bible is telling us that Jonah, with his anger, became evil in God's eyes. But I want you to notice also, there's a second turning here in verse 1. Because when verse 10 of chapter 3 says, God relented of the disaster, and verse 1 of chapter 4 says that Jonah was displeased by that, the word disaster and displeased are forms of the same Hebrew word. Now follow this. God turned from anger. Jonah turned to anger. Think about this for a moment. What pleased God displeased Jonah. May I ask you this morning, how sick is this? How sick is this? When God turns from anger, and we turn to anger, we've got a serious problem. Would you not agree? What a serious problem we have. It's interesting that James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, deal with the same subject as Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. James says in plain language what Jonah illustrates in his personal life. Don't ever uh, in the future fail to connect these two, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And notice what James says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So notice what James is saying is the cause of sinful anger. It is our passions, he says twice. It is our desires. It is that we cannot have and we cannot obtain. 
Always, always, this is what sinful anger is about. Let's read together this morning these three pronouns. Would you read them with me? Me, myself, and I. Guess how many times these three pronouns appear in Jonah's second prayer to God? You ready? In the Hebrew text, the original text, nine times. Nine times. In English, you can count them eight times. And what this tells me is something very, very simple but so hard for us to see in our anger, anger is always a problem of the heart. It is always and ever about me, myself, and I. That's where it begins. But now let's notice as the story continues, I want you to notice the second cause of sinful anger is self-conceit. Look at verse 2. And Jonah prayed to the Lord, and he said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Now, how many would say Jonah knew God pretty well? Yeah, he did. He lists God's attributes here. And this is good theology. We all read this and we say, Jonah, Amen. Amen. You know what the problem was? He did not think that the Ninevites deserved a God like this. That was the issue. And Jonah is telling God here, God, you're not managing things right. And you know what he starts doing? He starts lecturing God. How many think God needs a lecture from us? Move over, God. You're not running your universe right. Jonah now is protesting God. By the way, Job did the same thing, didn't he? Until God said, where were you when I created everything? And Jonah said, I repent in dust and ashes. Or Job said that. And so Jonah now is doing the very same thing. He is protesting God. Now, let me ask you, how conceited is this? How conceited is this? I looked up the word conceit in Oxford's dictionary, and here's what it means. Excessive pride in oneself. That's what it means. Let me give us all a small insight here. The reason we often cannot break an anger problem is we do not see this connection. Angry people invariably think they are wiser, smarter, better, and more entitled than other people. And if others would just kind of listen to us and let us run things then the world would be a better place. My marriage would be a better place. My home would be a better place. The board meeting would be a better place. By the way, 
Isn't this why we shout at the umpires on TV? Right? Because we would never make a bad call. See, what we're learning here is that anger is rooted in pride, in arrogance, in conceit, and superiority. And if we are going to change, we must humble ourselves. In fact, if any of us here today are currently in a situation where we know that we have an anger problem or other people around us know it, one of the things we need to begin doing is praying that God would humble us. By the way, isn't that what everyone else is praying for us? So we might as well join them, right? If everyone around us is praying, Lord, please humble Pastor Brian, then maybe I need to start joining those who are praying that I would be humbled. Because anger is always rooted in self-conceit. Now notice the third cause. Thirdly, anger is rooted in self-deceit. Look what Jonah says in verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. How many think emotion has taken over Jonah? How many think this is irrational? Jonah would rather die than see his enemies live. Can we say this morning, how irrational in the world is that? Listen, when emotion has taken over our anger, we become completely irrational. Let's read the statement again. Would you read it with me again? Me, myself, and lies. Lies. You see, at this point, all judgment now is clouded. And we will justify almost any behavior, no matter how wrong it is. And when that happens, we have reached the level of self-deceit And we say to ourselves in our angry emotions, I have the right to express my anger in this way. I'll never forget uh, when Ellen and I had our first big fight as a newly married couple. I want to just tell you, to be honest with you, it shocked both of us. We had no idea that we could be so angry with each other. I mean, we were like any other couple. We went into marriage thinking, you know, we're going to have the perfect marriage. And then, I mean, here we are, and, and we're just angry at one another. And Ellen did a very wise thing. She left. 
And I did a very wise thing. I let her leave. And here's what had happened. We became so angry that emotion took over. We both were convinced we were right. We were not willing to give in. And when that happens, we will say and do things we would never say or do in our right mind. Are you, are you with me? Are you with me? And what Ellen realized was we need to cool off or something very hurtful was going to happen. But brothers and sisters, that's exactly where Jonah was. So convinced he was right that in anger he wanted to harm himself. Have you ever seen an angry child? Have you ever seen an angry adult? That's this level of anger. It is self-deceit. Could we all read together what Benjamin Franklin said? Let's read it together. Whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. And that's where Jonah now is. Look at your anger. And you will see this is the three causes of sinful anger. Self-centeredness, self-conceit, self-deceit. Now God is so wonderful in how He worked with His prophet. And He's so wonderful in how He works with us because as we continue in this chapter, what we discover that comes next is God's correction of sinful anger. And what God does with Jonah, He wants to do with you and with me, if we will permit Him to. And so let's notice what it is that God does to correct all of us. Alright, number one. God questions us to get us to think. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Hey, how many think this is kind of God at this point? Isn't this kind? He just asked this angry man a question. You know, uh, people who think that God is out to get us just don't get God, do they? That's not our God. He's not out to get us. You see, Jonah's not thinking properly. His anger is not justifiable, even though he thinks it is. And so God asks him a question to start to get him to think. In fact, did you notice that Jonah is looking in the wrong place? 
Look at verse 5. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he would see what would become of the city. Do you see what's going on here? Jonah is looking at the city to see what's going to happen to the city. Where should Jonah have been looking? In here, right? He's looking out there. And God wants him to realize the problem is in here. He should have been looking within. Brothers and sisters, if we have an anger problem, we need to be examining ourselves. We need to be examining ourselves. Why am I so angry? Why do I fly off the handle so quickly? Why do I hold grudges and bitterness and resentment? We need to be examining ourselves. You know, counselors often have to get to the root of anger to help people, don't they? A person comes in to see a counselor. They know, oh, this is a root problem of anger. And they have to get to the root of the anger. And so do we. And then, I want you to notice the next thing that God does. God educates us to help us see inside. Now, verse 5 says that Jonah went out uh, east of the city and he created a booth for himself to shade himself from the elements so he could watch because probably he thought these Ninevites, they're going to turn back to evil and then God will judge them and I'm going to be here to watch the fireworks. I'm going to be here to see them nuked. That's how angry he was. Now what's interesting, this word for booth is the same word that is used for the booths in the Feast of Tabernacles. It is the Hebrew word sukkah. And to this very day, Jews during the Feast of Tabernacles will make a sukkah in which they celebrate in Israel the Feast of Tabernacles. So, do you know what God does? God turns this booth into a classroom. And He says, Jonah, it's a great place for you to be. And now, I'm going to teach you the lessons that you need to learn. How many of us think God puts us in a classroom? Are you in a classroom right now? Did you notice all the things God controls to teach Jonah? He controls the storm, right? He controls the big fish, right? He controls the seaweed wrapped around his head, right? He controls the plant that grows up to create shade. He's going to control the worm that destroys the plant. He's going to control the east wind that comes and wears Jonah out. He's in control of everything in Jonah's situation to teach him. How many think God has got us in a similar classroom? Of course. Of course. And now notice how God lays bare for Jonah 
what the problem is. Okay? Number one, in this classroom, Jonah learns he's filled with what kind of love? Self-love. Look at verse 6. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Do you know what? This is the only time Jonah is happy. The only time. And why is he happy? Well, he's got his booth. He's got his shade. He's got his comfort. And we've got our TV. We've got our snacks. We've got our Packer game. And that's not fair, is it, this morning? And don't disturb me or I'll get what? Angry? Who does Jonah love? Who do we love? Ourselves. And so what does God do? He takes away the creature comforts. Look at verse 7. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. A worm attacks the plant And then God sends this withering wind. Now, if you know anything about the Middle East, you know this wind is called the Scirocco wind. It raises the temperature sometimes over a hundred degrees. It lowers the humidity. And listen to what one person describes is the effect of the Scirocco wind. And this is exactly what happens to Jonah. Listen to this. Scirocco days are particularly trying to the temper and tend to make even the mildest person irritable and fretful and to snap at one another for apparently no reason at all. And that's exactly what happens. Jonah now is no longer comfortable, and so he gets what? Look what he says. He asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to Live. You know what God is showing Jonah here? He had what? Let's let's say it. He had switched values. He's angry because he lost his creature comforts. Now he's hot and miserable. But it doesn't bother him at all that the Ninevites would be in misery for how long if God judged them? How long? For eternity. How many think that's misplaced values? 
Can we just be brutally honest here this morning? We get angry over the wrong things, don't we? We sure do. We have screwed up values. And that's why we get angry. Because the things that should matter don't matter, and the things that shouldn't matter do matter, and because of an excessive self-love, we get angry. And then notice what God shows us. The root is stony hearts. Stony hearts. Look at verse 10. And the Lord said, you, did, you, you, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Now, get this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. But Jonah is concerned about a plant that gave him shade, came up in a day, was destroyed by a cutworm in a day, and perished. That's what he pitied. Look at what God pities. Verse 11. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. You see, what did Jonah pity? Well, he pitied the stuff that God gave to him by a gracious hand. Who did God pity? People he had made, estranged from him by sin, ignorance, and evil. Don't miss this here. Jonah pitied what? God pitied who? Whenever we exchange who for what? And we are angry at who? Over what? That is a serious, serious heart problem. And that was Jonah's real problem. He didn't have a heart like God. You see, ultimately, sinful anger is about how different we really are from God. And only God can change that kind of a heart. Only God 
can change that kind of a heart. Look here this morning, brothers and sisters. If I have an anger problem, whether I know it or whether I don't know it, that's always the issue. Always. In my marriage, in my home, in the board meeting, In my ministry, this is always the problem. Most of us this morning know this very distinguished man, Dr. Ben Carson, a brilliant pediatric pediatric neurosurgeon who uh, performed some of the most successful operations to separate Siamese twins. His autobiography is entitled Gifted Hands. And we now know that he is the secretary of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. If you've ever read his biography, you know as a teenager he had a raging, raging temper. And one day at 14 years old, he pulled out a pocket knife because a friend of his had turned the radio to a different channel and he lunged at him. Fortunately, the pocket knife hit his metal belt bucket and it broke in Carson's hand. Horrified, he ran home, trembling, frightened. He wanted to be a doctor in the future, but he knew, if I don't get control on this, this anger will destroy my future. And as a 14-year-old, I want you to listen to what happened. He said, Lord, on the floor... Please, you've got to help me. Take this temper away. You promised that if I ask anything in faith, you'll do it. I believe you can change me. He pulled out the Bible. How many think that's a great idea for a 14-year-old? Or a 62-year-old? Or whatever age we are. And he read the words of Proverbs 16.32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And this is what Carson said, I felt God telling me that he knew everything about me, but he still loved me. Because he made me, he was the only one who could change me, and he would. Gradually I stopped crying. My hands stopped shaking. And I was filled with the assurance that God had answered my prayer. And when Ben Carson got God's heart and God's help, 
Then he began loving and helping others just like God does. And isn't that the message of the book of Jonah? Isn't that the message? When we get God's heart and God's help, then we start loving and helping others just like God does. And that's the whole message God wants us to get. Let's bow our hearts together, shall we, and in our heads. In just a few moments, we're going to gather around the table of the Lord and fellowship with Him. And we usually take a time for self-examination and private prayer before God. But how about if we do that right now? How about if we just simply say now as we're before the Lord, Lord, search me, try me. Know me. See if there be some wicked way within me. And then, Lord, as I confess it, turn from it, ask You to help me with it. Then, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. And so, let's right now take that personal time just between us and God to let Him do the probing questioning, the educating that only He can do. Father, we're so unlike You. We're so needy. We're so 
desperate. And we thank You for lifting a mirror so we can see our true selves. And thank You for how gracious and kind You are in the way that You show us that mirror. Seeking to get our attention that we might be like You. And serve You with the right heart. Change us all, Lord. We'll thank You. For Jesus' great sake. Amen.